Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Perception versus reality. That's what comes to mind after this conversation. There's the perception of today's guest, which was stoked by an incredible nickname, the Princess of Darkness. Then there's the reality. What do I mean? Stick around to find out. I promise this guest is unlike any other we've had so far. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As you start thinking about your spring sports season, the TeamSnap app can help you spend more time focusing on coaching and less time worrying about the team management side of things. Even in this preseason time, coaches can use the app to start building relationships with players and parents through the messaging features. Plus, once your spring schedule's ready, put it on the app for parents to easily sync to their calendars. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com winning for more information. Growing up in Los Angeles, Amy Trask was an active little girl playing games like dodgeball and handball with neighborhood friends and doing all kinds of water activities at the beach. But she didn't participate in organized sports and her only competitive endeavor wasn't something that she insists didn't make her an athlete. So how does someone with that background become the first female CEO in the NFL? Stay tuned because in part one of our talk with Amy Trask, we're going to get those answers and hear an incredible story about a middle school teacher's perception that Amy wasn't college material and what became Amy's incredible reality. Let's get to it. Well, I am so excited to have with me as a guest today, Amy Trask. Amy, I am so excited to talk to you. I I know we overlapped during our time in the NFL, but I don't think we ever had a chance to really interview or or do anything. So I I was looking forward to this opportunity. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. Well, Amy, you know, with my audience, really try to focus in on the childhood experiences of the guests and things. And, you know, in doing my research on you, you know, a lot of it just focuses on you growing up in the L.A. area and then kind of fast forwards to you going to college. I'm just curious, did you participate in sports when you were young? I I know you obviously became a top football executive, but were you interested in sports when you were a little girl growing up there? I was the last kid picked on the playground for whatever we played, dodgeball, handball, didn't matter. Okay. Last kid picked. Uh, I did spend many, many years as an equestrian. And while some consider that a sport, I don't really consider it a sport. And, you know, (laughs) I did compete at times. I considered it a partnership with the horse. Yeah. Okay. I could totally see that. Now, did you try other sports at all? You know, there's this push to encourage kids to try different activities and sports when they're growing up. Did you try basketball or soccer or any of those type things uh, as a little girl? You know, I didn't. And I I absolutely positively concur with all who say, let your kids try everything. Don't focus them on one sport. Don't push them into one sport only. Every athlete with whom I have spoken has said, let your kids try every sport. But look, that wasn't 
the case when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I was a kid a very, very long time ago. And, you know, look, did I, was I physical and did we do things like dodgeball and handball and play in the street and walk in the park and, you know, go up and down the hills and get dirty and go to the beach and swim. And yeah, we did all those things, but I wasn't a competitor. The only competition in which I engaged was later in life as an equestrian. But the reason I bristle um, when it's referred to as a sport it is a competition, but the athlete is the horse. I really do believe that. But <laughs> right. sure, I went to the beach, I rode the waves, I body surfed, I swam, I engaged in outdoor activity. I just wasn't engaging in competition. Okay, that makes total sense. So this question may be received by you a little bit differently then. So Amy, what is your favorite childhood sports-related memory? Is that around equestrian? Is it around being a fan of a particular team? What just kind of stands out to you from childhood about sports? A personal memory, mm -hmm. something with which I was directly involved. You know, I, it wasn't childhood. I Let's call it young adult. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a very, very, very bad, you know, I don't know whether you want to call it an accident or mm. malfeasance on my part, a dumb decision on my part. Um, I was on a horse and we were taking a lesson and working with a trainer and I approached a jump very, very poorly. And I, look, long story short, I came off of the horse and that, you know, look, that happens. People fall yeah. off of horses. It happened to me a number of times. But in this instance, we sort of crashed just as we were coming up to the jump. I came Ooh. off. But the horse was also falling. And as I looked up, I saw this enormous, my, the horse was big, 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 not just normal horse size. This was a huge horse. And he was stumbling too because of the error, the calculation error I made, the decision error I made. And he was falling too. And I looked up and I saw this horse coming right down on me, on my body, oh, on boy. my face, with his hooves, with all of his weight. And what I saw was my teammate this horse doing everything he could to manipulate his hooves and to move. And I was watching his face and he moved his hooves and his legs to avoid stepping on me. And he did. Wow. And that memory stands out because my horse was a teammate and he's the one who saved me from disaster. Wow. And was that a horse that you had ridden for a very long time or was that kind of a new horse for you? No, it was a horse I had ridden and... Oh, wow. I, I've ridden, loved, and he made sure to take care of me. And that's why when I say that, you know, horses are our partners when we ride them, they really and truly are. Oh, wow. That's a great story. I really appreciate that. Now, growing up, which coach or teacher encouraged and inspired you most when you were younger? Uh, it was my 10th grade teacher, Mrs. Mm. Hernandez, Jean Hernandez. Let me back up and say that when I was in the sixth grade, my teacher called my mom in to have a conversation with her, sent me into the hall, but those skinny little windows that they called transom windows were open <laughs> at the top of the wall. So I could hear every word of this conversation. And my sixth grade teacher said to my mom, look, I know you're, you know, I didn't teach your two older children, but I understand they're very smart. This one's not. She's not going to get into college, so you're going to have to start thinking of a different path for her. And I still get goosebumps to this day as I remember my mom's words where she told him in the strongest voice, how dare you label a child? 
Mm. and tell a child in the sixth grade what he or she is capable of doing. And I heard my mom say that. And look, I was not a good student um, from elementary school all the way until 10th grade. When I was a kid, uh, elementary school ended in sixth grade, junior Mm -hmm. high was seven, eight, nine, and high school started in 10th grade. I never got good grades. Every report card I got, behavior problem, doesn't follow directions, doesn't pay attention, you know, doesn't listen. And, and I didn't get good grades. Well, in 10th grade, at the very beginning of the year, English class, uh, Mrs. Hernandez, I still to this day call her Mrs. Hernandez. <laughs> of course, sign of respect. Right. Pointed her finger at me, pointed to the outdoors, you know, basically saying, get out of the classroom. I walked out, she met me outside and in essence told me, I've heard about you. And what I won't quote her, but what she essentially communicated to me was she believed I was more capable of that which I had demonstrated. She believed I was more capable than that which other people had believed, and she was going to hold me to that standard. And I just remember thinking, and and boy, she didn't convey that nicely. I mean, that finger was pointing at me. But what she let me know was she believed I could do better than I ever had. And, you know, as is said, a teacher can make a difference in a life. Mm-hmm. She made a tremendous difference in my life. She changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. After I was with the Raiders for a number of years, and I don't remember whether this was before or after Al named me CEO. I think it was before. Mm-hmm. I wrote her a thank you note. I sent it wow. to the high school. I said, I don't know if she's still a teacher. I don't know if you can get this letter to her, but I thanked her for changing my life. Wow. That is an absolute... Do you know if she received that? I don't. I don't. Oh, wow. Well, how did that feel to be able to write that letter, though? I mean, just to sort of express and put on paper, right? I'm a writer by trade. And, and when you're putting something on paper, it just becomes a lot more kind of official, you know? So how did that feel to be able to send that to your school? Um, I loved to write. And yeah. um, I felt it was important to thank her. I have a philosophy. Mm-hmm. People are so quick to complain mm-hmm. when they don't like something. Mm-hmm. People are so quick to criticize when they don't like something. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to complain when you don't like something, if you're going to criticize when you don't like something, you sure better say thank you when you do. And mm-hmm. I wanted her to know she changed the trajectory of my life. Now, Amy, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you say to the eight-year-old Amy? What would you say to the 12-year-old Amy? And what would you say to the 16-year-old Amy? Uh, eight-year-old, I don't know. But 12, I do know because that's, you know, it's not teen, it's tween. It's between yeah. childhood and teenager. And what I would say to myself at 12 and what I would say to myself at 16 would be to recognize that I wasn't the only one to have insecurities Hmm. because I had tremendous insecurity, not so much at 12, but certainly at 16. Well, certainly, I guess at 12, but certainly 13 and 14 and 15. And I would tell myself, you know, you're not the only one that has insecurities. Hmm. And when you look at the other girls and particularly girls, although it was girls and boys, but particularly girls in school, they may look confident. They may look magnificent. They may look like they've got everything all together. Well, you know what? They have insecurities as well. And that's what I would tell myself, that you're not the only one who has insecurities. Other people do as well. Well, I mean, we're going to get to this because the amount of self-confidence and competence that you must have to become the first CEO in the NFL as a woman, that certainly had to be there. But before we jump to that, 
I'm just curious, where did that interest and passion for the Raiders start? Because I saw multiple stories that said that you really liked that team in particular, but at what age did that kind of develop and what was it about that franchise that just clicked with you? Well, I fell in love with the game of football when I was mm-hmm. in junior high. Okay. went to my first game in person in the seventh grade and immediately fell in love with the game. Okay. Because while we watch a game with speed and power and strength, it struck me that it's also a very, very cerebral game. It's a game of mm-hmm. matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, how does your pass protection match up against the opponent's pass rush? How does your coverage match up with the opponent's receivers? Can your corners cover their receivers? Uh, can your linebackers stop their running backs? It's a very intellectual, cerebral game. I likened mm-hmm. it to a game of chess mm-hmm. played by very strong, very fast, uh, very <laughs> powerful chess pieces. Yeah. Well, flat, you know, go, head forward a number of years and I'm in college at UC Berkeley mm-hmm. and the Raiders at the time were in Oakland. It was before Al moved the team. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, oh boy, I fell in love with the team. Harken back to a few minutes ago when I shared with you that in kindergarten, I was labeled a behavior problem. And that mm-hmm. label stuck with me until 12th grade. Some people would say it's still an appropriate label. Well, <laughs> I'm watching NFL games. And, you know, you see the visiting team get out of the bus heading into the stadium when they're on the road and teams are getting out and the players are wearing sports coats and carrying briefcases. And then you'd see the Raider team bus pull up to the stadium and men would just (laughs) tumble out of that bus wearing whatever the heck they were wearing the night before, looking like, you know, that what's that saying? The cat dragged them in. Uh You know, here was a team owned by a man, didn't care if you were labeled a behavior problem. He gave players second and third and fourth chances. He gave chances to players that other teams had given up on or who wouldn't give chances. And Mm. that resonated with me. I was the kid who needed second and third and fourth chances. I was the kid who was labeled the behavior problem. So that became my team. And when I learned about all Al had done, refusing to play games in the segregated South, getting those games moved, everything about the team I fell in love with. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. Also, I've launched a new newsletter, the Youth Sports Sanctuary, which aims to provide a safe space to ask questions and engage in discussions on the important challenges and issues in youth sports. Before I close, though, my presenting sponsor, Team Snap, and I are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches and youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student-athletes, and we want to recognize Dante Prevet, who leads the planning and execution of coach education initiatives for the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. Among many other roles, Dante is the creator of NFL Flag Philly, and he's in his 15th year of coaching tackle and flag football, rugby, lacrosse, and basketball. Congratulations, Dante. Last but not least, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to app to help you have a successful spring sports season. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.